This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In the fall of 1946, a man by the name of Franklin Hall established a center for prayer in San Diego, California that became known as a major fasting and prayer daily revival center. Many may be unfamiliar with the name Franklin Hall, but thousands have been influenced by his false teaching that apologetics now call deviant teaching. That same year, 1946, Hall published a book that was entitled Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer, which had a significant impact on the Pentecostal movement. This book, along with Hall's teaching, started many men on their way into the faith healing movement. According to Hall's newsletter, big names were influenced. Some of the more familiar names are Gordon Lindsay, A.A. Allen, Tommy Hicks, Oral Roberts, and even William Branham. These men, fasting before healing campaigns, worked the crowds with great success. But Hall's influence integrated pagan worship into the scriptural doctrines and meshed them together just as the Gnostics did during the days of Paul. Hall is quoted saying, Many, if not all, American Indian tribes sought revelation of the Great Spirit through fasting and prayer. When they had famines, food shortages, lack of rain, etc., the Great Spirit was sought through prayer and fasting, and their prayers were answered. Hall's fasting and healing ministry were spread to thousands through the magazine that was published by Gordon Lindsay and William Branham. The Voice of Healing Franklin Hall started teaching that the Zodiac and the Great Pyramid of Giza were part of the worship of Yahweh. And while scriptures and actual history teach us that they were integrated into pagan worship, Hall claims that this was worship of God. After the meetings that were held in San Diego in the fasting house and the success of his fasting book, 
a young Oral Roberts began his healing ministry. In 1947, Roberts claimed that he was commissioned by God himself to go forth healing the sick. And not just through the power of prayer. According to Roberts, just like Moses, he was given a sign. In his life story, Robert claims that God came down to him and said this, Son, you have been faithful up to this hour, and you now will feel my presence in your right hand. Through my presence, you'll be able to detect the presence of demons. You will know their number and their name through my power. They will be cast out. That's Oral Roberts in My Story that he published about his life story. Roberts, like William Branham, passed out prayer cards during his healing campaigns in the packed tent meetings. Roberts required that those requesting prayer, he required them to secure a prayer card during one of the afternoon meetings. Healing services were held at night, but during the afternoons there were meetings for instruction and how to gain and keep your healing. This is very interesting, because not long after Roberts began his healing ministry, not long after being given his sign, we find a very similar story taking place. Also in 1947, William Branham revised his commission to heal the sick. Like Roberts, Branham changed his commission story to include a visitation by God and being given a sign. And what was that sign? It was a vibration in the hand just like Roberts. In his new commission story, entitled How the Angel Came to Me and His Commission, Branham says this about his hand vibration. As the prophet Moses was given two signs, signs to vindicate his ministry, so will you be given two. He said one of them will be that you'll take the person you're praying for by the hand with your left hand and their right, and said, then you just stand quiet and there'll be a physical effect that'll happen on your body. Then you pray, if it leaves, the disease is gone from the people. Branham and Roberts were seemingly both given the gift of hand vibrations in their right hand. This gift is the key, simply because of the combination. Fasting, the zodiac, and the hand vibrations, while associated with healing, are directly integrated into the occult teachings of Wicca. Wiccan healers rely heavily upon the numbers, which are precisely calculated according to the stars or the zodiac. But before ritual, fasting is an integral part of their pagan worship. Wiccan, see, Wiccan healers can see with their hands. Magnetic pools and vibrations and warmth are felt during this ritual. The hand is the eye into the spiritual realm. According to Wicca spirituality, it says, pass your hand just above the ritual supplies and feel the warmth or the tingling sensations or vibration or medic magnetic pull toward one. <clears throat> the more powerful Wiccan healers 
those with clairvoyant abilities claim to be able to see angels or demons. In the days of Paul, the origins of those practices were far more evident than they are today. In the pagan temples of the ancient world, those who practiced sorcery were well known in their cities. Part of the change in culture for the early church was to become separate from this worship of the elemental spirits. But with the influence of men today like Franklin Hall, the deviant teaching is much more subtle. The occult is mixed with Christianity. The scriptures are twisted to fit the occult because the occult cannot be twisted to fit Christianity. This influence has changed one of the most fundamental teachings in the New Testament. It has changed the perception of what Paul meant when he described works. To these cult leaders, their theology twists the meaning of works into that of signs and wonders. But Paul called those things the works of the flesh, and he openly condemned them. Paul would have abhorred an entire ministry that focused on the works of healing the sick. Paul would have abhorred the entire faith healing movement because it puts the focus on the healer and not the God that they should be serving. These men and women involved with the faith healing ministry all fell to false prophecy or sexual sins or love of money and more. As their ministry started producing followers, they always wanted more. Instead of being content with what God had given, they turned towards other means to increase their following. My opinion is that the very reason that William Branham changed his original commission story that he gave in 1945 in a tract entitled, I Was Not Disobedient to the Heavenly Vision, the very reason he changed that to match Oral Roberts' story is because he could not let Roberts get ahead. Healing of the body is an earthly thing. We have been taught by those in the divine healing movement that God does not intend for us to be sick, so we should just claim our healing. But what if our faith in Christ during sickness is the very thing that led another soul to Christ? Is the healing of our body worth more to us than the soul of our brother? Paul calls this the desires of the flesh, and he condemns it. In Galatians 5, Paul says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. It's very interesting when you consider the comments that William Branham makes about Oral Roberts' ministry. Especially when you consider Branham's change in marketing in a feeble attempt to copy Oral Roberts. 
Branham was consumed with popularity, but until the day of his death, he never received even a fraction of Robert's popularity. Paul says, do not even give in to these desires. He says, continuing, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But next comes the key, and this is a direct contrast between William Branham's false teaching and the true Word of God. Paul next says this, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul warns against the very heart of what we see within the divine healing movement. Paul warns against what we see as the fruits of the Spirit to all these men that William Branham idolized. Charles Taze Russell, John Alexander Dowie, Joseph Smith, Paul warns against the pagan influence of Franklin Hall, who seems to start a young Oral Roberts and inadvertently starts a young William Branham as a copycat. Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity. Here's one of the problems I see in the Branham movement. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. How is this not what we're seeing in the cult churches? Then he goes on into what was pagan practice of that day, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is no small warning. Paul had warned Galatia before, and he reminded them that these things are not of God. And he reminds them again, continuing, he says, I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So ask yourselves this, what are the works? I've been taught by Branham that these signs shall follow them that believe. And Branham pointed that scripture to his healing ministry. It's a scripture, right? We have to be very, very careful with Mark 16. Not only is that portion of scripture not found among all of the families of Bible scrolls, many have twisted it to an occult meaning rather than Paul's description of fruits in the Spirit. That chapter is one of the reasons that we have snake-handling churches. That is the influence speaking, and that is the exact thing that Paul just condemned. Jesus himself said that, he says, an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, but Branham twisted the scriptures to convince a following that his signs and wonders were what Paul called works that should be present in a people filled with the Holy Spirit. But listen to what Paul says next. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness self-control. Against these things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Think about the poor brother in Tucson, Arizona, who lived in a wheelchair until the day of his death, painfully hoping to rise and walk again, because William Branham gave him false hope. And ask yourself, does God fail? Think of the desperate father who is told that his son would live, Donnie Morton. Does God give false hope? Is this really the works that Paul wanted us to have? Works that fail? Or does God give true hope, faith, and love through works of the Holy Spirit? Which is more powerful? Guessing that a person might get up and walk again? Unless it's what William Branham called a hard case. What is a hard case for God? Absolutely nothing. God is not calling a bunch of sorcerers. God is not calling us to mimic Wiccan healers, medicine men, or Hindu priests. God is calling a body of Christ that is filled with the fruits of the Spirit. So as you look around these cult churches around the world, ask yourselves this. What are the fruits of the Spirit that you see in these churches? Where can you find any of this, the fruits of divine healing? Where is the minister who can fill truckloads with crutches from the crippled? Where's the minister who can fill halls of people with cancer and heal every one of them with the power of God? These are the works of the flesh. Now ask yourself, what about the fruits of the Spirit that Paul describes? Why is it that no two churches, cult churches, can fellowship with one another? Why is it that no two cult churches believe the same doctrines? Why are there some more progressive while others are fundamental? Why does some place focus on outward appearance while others place more on works of the flesh? Then ask yourselves this, which would you rather be? Would you rather be filled with the fruits of the Spirit that Paul described? Or would you rather be filled with a wicked, vibrating hand? Which would you rather have? 